glad you're here. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, may worship continue right now as we speak. It doesn't stop that the music has stopped. You are worshiped 24-7, and may that be true of us to you. So may we pour out an offering of worship to you in these next moments. This is your time. This is your place. We are your people, your children. Our hearts are yours. Our minds are yours. Our attitudes, our attention is yours. May you use this to change us into the likeness of your son. May this not just be a good talk. May these not just be good ideas. Lord, may they affect change in our life that will last for decades, that will bleed into eternity, Father. Thank you that you are about transforming your people by your grace. Thank you that your word works. Thank you that it has a ministry in our lives and that the spirit of God works in tandem with that word to quicken our minds, transform our minds into what you desire it. So God, we pray in these moments that you would speak, that we would hear, and that we would respond in faith to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My three-and-a-half-year-old son carrying a casserole. Dad, are we poor? (laughs) Cam, I don't think we're poor. I don't think we're rich, but I don't think we're poor. That was his interpretation of a friend bringing a casserole to the door about 11 years ago. Um, my wife uh, had just given birth to our second son, and so uh, the body of Christ shows up in times like that with casseroles and rolls and cheesecake and you, you know, right? And so um, his interpretation of that moment of somebody bringing food to the door to our house was that we were in need, and he was trying to make sense of this. And, but, but my interpretation of this was, no, this is the love of God being poured out through the love of God's people, hospitality. And sometimes you're on the receiving end, sometimes you're on the giving end, but that transaction is always going on in the body of Christ, amen? amen. And that's what he calls us to do. He's an hospitable God, and he calls us to follow that pattern, and, and, and there's so much more than that, that casseroles represent, right? Love, care, awareness of needs. Situations like that matter to God, right? And he decides to use us, his people, to move out on mission into those spaces. He decides to use people like you and me to enter into those spaces, to display the love of God. Several of you, on a regular, consistent basis, provide casseroles. You step out, you buy gift cards, you show up, you represent God, you put him on display. Not because you want the glory, but because you want him to be testified to. Think of how many friendships and relationships that you now have that began with an act of hospitality. Think of the relationships you now have that it was an act of kindness, an act of generosity, that all of a sudden, now, years later, they are family members. They are deep friends. They are people in the body of Christ that you're incredibly fond of. 
God knits hearts together through hospitality, through service to one another. How we use the gifts we've been given, the talents we've been given, the influence and the power that we possess, he wants to use that. He does use it. It matters how we use it. This great letter of the book of Romans, what a fabulous book, right? How doctrinal and theologically heavy it is, right? But it's, it's interesting at the end of this book, all of a sudden he ends with a focus on personhood, on this big list of people and the love and the faithfulness of God's servants, that that's what the exclamation point is. So it is amazing, the, the doctrine, the, the wonderful, beautiful things that are in this book, this letter that Paul sent to the church in Rome. But it's interesting on how he ends. And so what I want to take us into tonight is a focus on one of those individuals that he desires to, to wave the flag for and to highlight and say, here's a faithful servant of God named Phoebe. Blessed the church in powerful ways. Just as many of you are blessing the church and God has called us to bless the church. Let me read the passage before we dive into it. And hopefully it's in your, it's in your bulletin. Uh, grab your copy of God's word if you have it. We'll be referring to it as we march our way through here. Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Kentria. And you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Who was Phoebe? Who was this woman we're talking about? There's not much said of her in scripture. That's why she's in the category of unsung heroes. Well, tonight we're going to do our best to kind of shine a light on her, and more importantly, shine a light on who the God she represents and the gospel that she represents. First of all, what we see in the text is that she was a sister our sister, our sister in Christ. She was in the body of Christ. She was a family member of the people of God, a fellow believer. She was also a woman of means, of wealth, of resources. Her name means bright and radiant. She wasn't married, or she may have been a widow. She was mature in years and fully competent, as we see her serving the church in so many ways. What a blessing she was. The second phrase there says she was a servant of the church in Kentria. Servant. And, and, and this is it. She used her power, her influence, her resources, her status, her time, her energy to serve Paul and to serve the church in general in that location. Right? Geographically, it was about 10 kilometers, or for you Americans, about six miles southeast right, of, of Corinth, right, that, that's, that's where, that's where the, the port town of, of Chentria was, this church, so close to Corinth, and, and Paul asked her to be the letter carrier to, to, to take it to the church in Rome, and so she was probably going on to do business there, and while uh, going there, he's like, can you, can you represent, can you take this letter to the church in Rome? She was known by Paul. 
And, and I think that's, that's an important thing. If, if the Apostle Paul knows you and recommends you, and he's speaking well of you, that's substantial. Because he, so, no, he was no slouch, spiritually, missionally. He was gospel-centered. And you know the company that Paul kept, right? If you're in that company, if you're in his uh, friends, circle of friends, that matters. And she was one of the ones that supported him, but called him friend. She was known by Paul, and Paul knew her. There was patterns that were formed in her life. Uh, she, she was chosen to take this letter, this beautiful letter to, to the church in Rome, um, but I guarantee you there was a pattern and a, and a, a faithful history of her serving the church that, that gave reason why Paul chose her. Here's a faithful sister in Christ who I can trust to take this to Rome. So there was a pattern and a history in place that was there in which that gave her legitimacy to carry out this act. You never know when God's going to tap you on the shoulder for a task. Maybe small, maybe majestic and huge like this task was that changed the course of history. So faithful patterns that we build of service, of hospitality, of being mindful of others' needs around us. God's noticing those. He wants to change hearts and minds and attitudes and souls and persons so that when the big opportunity comes, that sometimes we don't always see in the moment, we will be found faithful. So be faithful in the small things. Phoebe was faithful in the small things and we see her faithfulness in the large things here that get highlighted. Praise God for Phoebe. This idea of commending, right? So starting off, get back at the beginning of this text. I commend or I recommend to you. He's, he's commending her to the church. And this idea of, of commending or recommending was it was a common practice in the ancient church because there weren't Airbnbs, there weren't bed and breakfast, there weren't hotels that you could stay at. You were dependent upon others in the body of Christ to care for your needs as you went to a different city, right? For food, for shelter, for care, for whatever needs. And so this was a common practice in the ancient church. And so that's part of the rationale of why Paul is doing this. But think for a moment why you and I would recommend someone. Who would you give a reference for? I, I, I get asked on a regular basis, uh, especially when I teach, uh, that, that would you give me a reference for this job application or would you be a reference for me? And, and I don't do that lightly. I think long and hard about not only their, the student's skill in the classroom or maybe what they've done in an internship or how I've observed them in the ministry setting, but also, more importantly, the type of person they are. Because it's not just a set of skills and behaviors that you're commending. It's a person. And I'm associating, I'm aligning myself with that person. The people on the receiving end are going to evaluate that based on my word or what they know of me and what I point to with this person who happens to be in question. Paul is doing that. He knew Phoebe and he had full confidence in her to be able to give a commendation that was well-deserved. 
<laughs> have you ever been welcomed well? Think of a moment when you've, you've been given hospitality, that you've been uh, lavished upon as far as um, somebody welcoming you into their home. Uh, maybe it was a casserole. Maybe it was an act of kindness that you unexpected. Maybe it was, it was small or maybe it was like massive. But it's left an imprint on your heart because you're like, wow, I felt love in that moment. I felt valued. I felt esteemed. I felt important in that moment, right? Think of that for a moment. That's how I felt when I went to India. Gone to India a couple times. And, and the church over there, when every time I go, they, they treat me like royalty. And I don't think it's just because I'm a faculty member at Moody Bible Institute. I think it's because I'm in the body of Christ. That they value people. And I'm blessed every time I spend time with the church over there. And I'm amazed and I'm humbled. And, and I, I'm blessed in so many ways. Yeah. In the home, the food, the gifts, the time spent, the, 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 the willingness to get to know me and, and, and learn. Um, it's, it's a blessing. A couple years ago, my, my family and I went up to uh, the Canadian Rockies to a town I lived at before I came to Chicago. And I served as an interim pastorate for a summer and uh, one of the elders who I knew in the church um, let us stay in his home. He let us stay in his home. He gave us his car. He, uh, he gave us his, his canoe, right? Uh, he, he let us eat his food, sleep in his bed. Uh, everything that he owned was at our disposal. What a gift. He was a good friend, but oh my, it was on display. His full person and all that he possessed, all of his resources were at our disposal, and it made a wonderful time for our family to be there. What a gift that was. And that experience and that relationship with Paul Odlin, his tattooed on my heart, and I believe on our, our family's heart, of what a gift of hospitality it was for that summer to be in his home. He loved us well. I want to do the same. Phoebe was like that. The text says that the church is to welcome her in the Lord. Welcome her in the Lord. What does that mean? As one who belongs to the Lord, right? So being in Christ, being in the body of Christ, being a Christ one gives you privilege. And now you and I could go around the globe and connect with the church, with the body of Christ and be welcomed in, so to speak, because of who we are. And that's, that's what Paul was saying here. The manner in which we're welcomed in the Lord. He also says, a way worthy of the saints. A way worthy of the saints. This is, this is yeah, the manner in which she is welcomed. Worthy of the saints. This, the worthy of the saints gives the impression of, of love, of generosity, of hospitality. The way. God's people shall, should welcome one another. Worthy of the saints. Regardless of whether you're giving or receiving, do it unto the Lord, right? And sometimes it's easier to give, right? Because that's where the, where the, you possess the power if you're giving, if you're donating yourself. But if you're on the receiving end, our culture, at least here in the Western culture, can, can make you feel a little bit of shame because all of a sudden you're dependent or you're receiving and come across as, as maybe needy. 
That's not God's economy. That's not, that's not biblical. There's times when, we re- when my son received that casserole from that friend who wanted to bless us in those early days of our, of our second child, that was, that was it. There was no shame there. I will eat that casserole with gladness, right? And my boys did too. Like, this is good. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that family, right? So there should be no shame as we receive this. And the family structure of us being in Christ creates that. Right? It creates us. Because of who we are in Christ, and if we walk in these patterns of worthy um, of the saints or, or in the Lord, that creates the context in which we're able to receive as well as give. Right? And so that should begin to change how we think of these things. He also says in this text about helping Phoebe. Right? He calls the church in Rome to help her. How? Well, in whatever she may need from you. That's, that's a pretty big statement. Whatever she needs, help her. Take care of her. Literally, it is standing by her, being available and willing, being aware of her needs, right? being in close proximity so that as she uh, needs something, you're aware, you're dialed into it, and you can step in and engage in that way. That's important. That's a gift. Some of you in the medical community, you understand what it means to be on call, right? At any minute, somebody could call you and you would have to give care, sometimes over the phone, sometimes, you know, um, from, di- from a distance. That's it. That's kind of the idea here, that, that at any moment, whatever, whatever Phoebe needed, the church was to step in and care for. And that, that's a, a critical thing. What, what security that would bring to Phoebe? What love she would feel in recepting of stepping into a new environment in Rome. We're like, hey, these are new people. You know? I'm like, this is a new church. This is a, like a whole lot of new relationships. And Paul is going before her in the name of the Lord to say, take care of my friend Phoebe. She served us so well, so faithfully. Do the same to her, will you, that she's done to us. And then we see this phrase, patron of many. That's kind of old world language. Maybe your translation doesn't say that, but that's, that's the ESV. Patron of many. What's, getting, what, what's, he, what's Paul getting at here? Patron of many. Well, it's, it's probably better translated care for or giving aid to. Right? She cared for and gave aid to the church in Kentria. Right? Faithfully. Not just one time, not just ten times, but ongoingly out of her resources, out of who she was, out of her person, out of the love and, and a pure attitude of wanting to care for that church, wanting to care for Paul because of the work that he was after. That's it, a patron of many. So this is a key piece of her highlighting, I mean, or Paul highlighting who she was, financially giving, right? Material needs being given, she, the, the translation is, she has been very good to many people and also to me. That's Paul. She's been very good to many people and also to me. There's a story that I'm reminded of as I read this text um, of Phoebe's hospitality, of her service, of her, of her faithful helping in the church in Kentria. 9-11, I, I, that's all I have to say for all of you to kind of like, oh, you get the context now. But on 9-11, 38 planes were diverted to eastern Canada. 
small town called Gander, Newfoundland, right? That's about maybe, you know, five to 700 miles straight north of Maine on the East Coast, close to where I grew up. And, and, and this small town of about 10,000 people almost doubled in size as 38 planes land in this small town on 9-11. And they're disoriented, right? They don't know what's going on. The pilot comes over, the loudspeaker said, we are, you know, there's been a terrorist attack in the U.S., in New York City. We are diverting all planes to the U- from the, going to the U.S. to this town in Gander, Newfoundland. And this town all of a sudden becomes mobilized. They're like, okay, here we go. All of a sudden, we're doubling within the span of a couple hours of planes landing one after the other. And to hear the stories of these hospitable folk in small town Newfoundland on the east coast of Canada, opening up their homes, opening up their schools, opening up their hospitals, any bed, any blanket, any pillow, the, the grocery stores, Bear, because they went and got all the food. Pharmacists working around the clock to provide medication for the people that were coming. I mean, you think of situation after situation of need, and, and these people just mobilized. And there for three days. Three days, all of a sudden, these, these roughly 7,000 people on 38 planes enter into the small town in eastern Canada. They weren't equipped for this. They didn't expect it, but it was... Faithful hospitality. I know Newfoundlanders. I grew up, I went to school with a bunch of them. They're the most hospitable people you'll ever meet. And it was awesome. I think it was God saying, shining a light on Gander, Newfoundland, say, hey, here's hospitality. Here's me mobilizing a group of people to care for a bunch. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Stories of, of them going fishing together, moose hunting. You know, they, what do people do up in, in Newfoundland, right? They just said, hey, you're one of us. You're family now. Welcome the men, opening up their homes, opening up their beds. Any bed that was available, there you go. And then they, they said stories after going home after that third day. Tears because of the hospitality they've been given. Not just because of, hey, I've been given some warm meals and a warm bed and a shelter. You know, but no, it's because hearts have been knit together because of that crisis, because of that situation, because of that reality. And now forever they are friends. And now you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a great connection of those people from all over the world to that small town in Gander, Newfoundland. Faithfulness, hospitality. And now they've done a, a Broadway show called Come From Away that, that kind of portray this, this scenario that went on in 9-11 of this small town in Gander, Newfoundland that, that uh, and probably the best way to translate it for you all, it's probably uh, Newfoundland's kind of like the West Virginia or Kentucky of Canada, right? So culturally, very hospitable, very warm, relational people that just would love on you. Let me unpack hospitality here, right? We talked experientially, gave you an example of, of, of Gander, Newfoundland, but, but theologically, it's got to stem from Christ, right? The gospel. At the center of hospitality is a savior who came and entered in upon the sod, lived a sinless life, and then died on a cross, and then raised on the third day. Talk about hospitality. Talking about taking on a task and giving over your person for the other's well-being. Wow. 
And so we need to think of the gospel. We need to think of the work of Christ as hospitality, as a service act. For sure it was. For sure it was. And so this idea of opening ourselves up, revealing our person, our resources, our care for the sake of the other. That's what hospitality is. And Jesus is our pinnacle example again and again and again of what hospitality looks like. Praise God for for the many saints throughout church history that have walked faithfully and have given us example after example of that. Thank you for the examples that we have in our midst. Many of you are examples of that. But it's all pointing to Christ, not that we would take glory on ourselves, revealing our person. Because here in the power of the gospel, the power of Christ and what he's done, right? he has the power to make strangers friends or neighbors, and better yet, family, right? Through the gospel, the, the xenos, the stranger, has, has been made brother or sister in Christ. That's beautiful. That's the work of the gospel. And ultimately, that's what hospitality is about. That's what it's pointing to, to relationships and connections, the, the, the social and the material pointing to and hopefully culminating in the spiritual that is founded in the gospel, Right? That's the point of opening up a home, sharing a casserole, sharing any resource, gift, talent that you possess. It's not for just meeting the needs of someone, a cold cup of water on a hot day, a warm blanket on a cold day. Whatever the need is, that's great. That's a porthole, but that's, in, that's pointing to something bigger and more significant. The material, the social, pointing to the spiritual. Let, let me wind things up here by, by translating this into our lives. How, what, what is this? How can we make sense of Phoebe's great example for us and how she's lived faithfully um, her service, her helping before us to the Lord? First thing, um, how are we using our resources, our gifts, our influence? How are you doing? How am I doing with the opportunities given to us today, this week? We don't know what's around the corner this week. But are you ready? Are you ready and willing to, to be generous with what you possess? Financially, materially, time, energy. What is it that you have that you can give? How are we doing with that? Secondly, are we aware of the needs around us? Are you aware of the needs around you? How do you become aware of the needs around you? That casserole made its way into our home because somebody was aware. These lights are put on. We can see words on a screen because someone was aware. You're sitting on a chair in this fashion, set up in this way because someone was aware of the need. And so... Are we aware of the needs around us? We need to be in close proximity to those people that represent those needs. Who has God brought into your life that you need to be aware of their needs? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody in this church. Maybe it's somebody you met at the Air and Water Show today. I don't know. 
but are you in close proximity to be mindful? Because sometimes the needs aren't always overtly stated to you, like, I need this. Sometimes they are, but often they're not. Sometimes you need to read it between the lines. You need to pick up on it. You need to have uh, discernment and step into that. Thirdly, we need to be mindful of the manner in which we're serving and helping. The manner in which we're serving. Do you bellyache when you have to serve? Do you grumble? You're like, oh, here we go again. I'm guilty of that. God shines light on it. He says, look to my son. Did he grumble upon the cross? Cuts to the heart there. Exposing our attitudes, exposing the state of our heart as I am called to serve, to be hospitable, to give of myself, give of my resources for Christ's sake, the manner in which I'm serving. Fourthly, are we developing habits, faithful habits on a daily, weekly basis so that when something substantial comes, I've built a pattern of responding in that way. Phoebe had a habitual way of serving the church. And it was a no-brainer for her to take the letter to Rome and to serve Paul in the way that she did. Because that was just who she was. It became part of who she was. It was a knee-jerk reaction. She didn't need to think about it. She just reacted. That's it was, it was be weird if she didn't do it because of the habits and the patterns that were built into her life. You and I know people like this. You know, you call them up with a need, boom, they don't even think about it. Yep, I'm there, I'm doing it. That's it. That's, that's been born over years, sometimes decades of habitual serving for, for the sake of the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. And realizing that God uses deep, significant relationships and he works through them. That's what we see here. We see the, we see the relationships between Paul, and Phoebe, and the church in Rome. And hearts being knit together. Great friendship between Paul and Phoebe. And now a relationship being birthed between the church in Rome. And God fusing it all together through his hand. Him knitting it together. That's a beautiful thing. How has he done that in your life? How has he testified to that, the relationships that you know possess, and then the ones he's forming and shaping in our midst? It all comes back to God. It all comes back to God. His purpose for service, hospitality, and relational connection. It, first of all, it points to the gospel. It's got to point to the gospel, right? The ultimate act of service, the sacrifice, the giving of, of Christ of himself for our benefit, for the world's benefit. That's the first thing. And then putting the person and nature of God on display, who he is and what he's like. That's what we get from Phoebe's life. As we look at Phoebe's life, I get to know the type of God that she serves, I get to know the, the type of gospel that she marches to, right? I, I get to know the type of people she keeps community with because of who she is. Could the same be said of us? God wants to be put on display through his church, 
And he wants to be put on display through us as individuals. And I've said this already. He's using the social and the material to lead us to the spiritual. He's taking social relationships. He's taking casserole dishes and money in the offering plate and money sent overseas to, to transform lives lives and to, to, to create a reality that we won't fully understand till glory. That's a beautiful thing. When we get to glory, we are going to see the storehouses. We are going to see the great harvest. We are going to see full reality of what God has done and the hand that you and I have had in helping develop that through the grace of God, through the work of the Spirit in us. It's a wonderful thing. I think the most profound act of hospitality that Christ did was adopting us into his family. He adopted us as children. That theme, that metaphor in the New Testament is so powerful. He brought you and I in, who were once far off, who were once strangers of God, and made us his children. He said, hey, you, in the muck and the mire, yeah, you. There's nothing worthy in and of ourselves. It was only because of his loving kindness that he welcomed us in, brought us in, made us new, put our feet upon the rock, and now calls us his own. Adoption. Adoption. Praise God for adoption. Praise God for spiritual adoption. Praise God for adoption on the, in an earthly sense. Some of you are adopted, right? And, and some of you have, have adopted children. Maybe from the west side of Chicago, maybe from Nairobi, maybe from Kuala Lumpur, maybe from Gander, Newfoundland. I don't know. Adoption. I was adopted. Three days old. I'm so thankful for my parents. They took me in. And my life has changed. My life has changed. And so I get to brag, I've been adopted twice. (laughs) And so the beauty of that, that metaphor pointing to the hospitality of God, of welcoming us in, the reality that we get to live in as Christ ones in the family of God. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for Phoebe's life. Thank you for faithful servants who've walked with you for decades. They've built habits and they display transformed lives. Not perfect lives, but ones that are well-worn because of faithfulness. Make us like Phoebe because she is like Jesus. Thank you for her story. Thank you that there's men and women of God that barely get mentioned in the pages of scripture, but they are still huge in your eyes. They are important and valued. Just as each one here, Father, maybe there's some here tonight that feel undervalued, devalued. They feel lost. They feel unknown. You know them. Give us the awareness as the body of Christ to make them known. Not that they would be the end all and be all, but God, that you would be made much of in the midst of the body of Christ. Thank you that your gospel brings people who are strangers and brings them near and that we're in union with you. We're, the, Christ, the life of Christ is in us. Praise you for that work. Praise you for the grace and your marvelous work on the cross that you gave up your son to make us right with you. If there's some here tonight that that don't know you, 
if this is new, if they haven't been adopted into the family of God through the shed blood of Jesus in his atoning sacrifice, God, may that happen. Would you stir hearts? Would you make us respond and pour out gratitude to you, our Savior, our King? We thank you, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.